0: Acts chapter number 22. Let's turn there if we can, please. We are there, and and that's where we read our scripture this morning. I tell you what, as I go through this passage of scripture and this section of our Bible, and of course, we're in the book of Acts, and we have been studying that. I'll do my best to kind of speed up a little bit. I've kind of got bogged down having a good time uh, learning more about uh, this section of the scriptures. The book of Acts is a narrative telling about the early church, the history of how we got to where we are. It covers probably about 22 to no, no more than 25 years, probably from Acts chapter 1, when Jesus goes back to heaven, chapter 2, when His Spirit comes down from heaven, and then chapter 3, where His people begin to go out and, and publish the gospel of Christ throughout the old earth. And we're still doing that today because of the command of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Great Commission. By the way, you want to be involved in the Great Commission, you want to do something every day so people around you hear about Jesus. And you want to do something so people around the world hear about Jesus. And you can do that. It's a wonderful thing about being a part of a, a Bible-believing church like this one is I can be faithful every day to witness to people and to hand out gospel tracts and, and to get involved in the gospel presentation with somebody. You can do that. Say, Pastor, I'm young. You can do it. Well, I, I just don't know much about the Bible. You can, you can help. You can grow in that way. Uh, be a faithful witness where you are. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that and some tools that God gave us in order to get the gospel to others. And we also can do it by giving so other people around the world can hear the gospel of Christ in different languages, in different places of the world. Well, the Apostle Paul has found himself in a very difficult situation. We won't take time to review all of it, but nonetheless, the Apostle Paul has come down to the temple He has uh, submitted to the weakened mother church who has uh, sought compromise instead of protection. Instead of boldness, they have been weakened and have come to some little plan that they want him to to associate with four men who are coming out of a Nazarite vow and shave his head and walk around the temple and worship for the time of Pentecost. He does that, and then some Jews from Asia who recognize him Uh, begin to cry out, and they begin to get the hundreds and thousands of Jewish men in the outer courts of the the temple to take him bodily and move him outside in effort to kill him as a part of their plan. Well, as they begin to take him out and no doubt begin to pummel and hit and punch and and, uh, pull on him... Uh, the, the, the Roman police who oversee that region on behalf of Caesar, the Roman king, and who oversaw that area, the Jews oftentimes gave them lots of trouble and stirred up some stuff, and so it wasn't an easy part of the world to over to, to see because there were some challenges there. But they moved in, had the police come and take him away from them, but they didn't know who he was and they didn't know what the problem was. He was someone who definitely the mob was against, um, but they didn't know who he was. And so they took him away from the mob and marched him upstairs to try to do some interrogation. In the process, uh, Paul speaks to the chief captain. His name is Claudius Lysias. And he had gotten his, uh, his uh, Roman citizenship by a great sum of money that he offered. Uh, under Claudius, and that's probably why his name is Claudius Lysias. He had already paid for his citizenship, but but he didn't know that Paul was a Roman citizen. He was very shocked when he spoke to him in his language, in the Greek language. And he said, uh, do you speak Greek? He said, I'm surprised you speak Greek. Aren't you an Egyptian? He goes, no, I'm not an Egyptian. He said, I thought maybe you were some criminal that, that was bringing 400 men out into the, the desert to kill people and were murderers. And he says, No no, I'm, I'm not from any, any small city. I'm from Tarsus, a city, a Greek city in Cilicia, and that's where I'm from. He said, would you allow me the chance to speak to my people? And uh, the, the man, I think, under, under the help of the Holy Spirit of God said, yes. So Paul is on a higher elevated stairwell. He's got Roman soldiers who are actually seems to be carrying him up the steps. And now he's at the top, and he says, would you give me a chance to talk? And when he does, he raises his hand to the screaming, yelling, hollering people who are saying away with him, which meant killing. Same words. That, this is 20, 18 to 20 years after Jesus has died. This is a lot of things have come into play now. And, so, and, and the, even the church doesn't seem to even value Apostle Paul. If they know about him, they don't value him but he has been telling the known world about Jesus for all these years. Many of the people, they know him from Asia, because Jews from all over the world, and they've heard the scuttlebutt and the talk, and even the, 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 the leaders of the church had told him, man, it's not a good time to come. The Holy Spirit had laid on the hearts of other people to tell him, if you go to Jerusalem, we're going to have some problems there. He knew what he was facing. He didn't know exactly, but he had excitement because he had come down with seven Gentile men who had been saved in his missionary journeys and he had brought money and given to the local church and now he finds himself in this brouhaha and he has been hit, punched, pulled, jerked, poked and now he's standing on top of a, of a stairwell and now thousands of men are looking at him. He waves his arms and gets their attention and they are quiet and then he begins to speak to them in the Hebrew tongue. He no longer speaking Greek. So the, the man, the chief, the chief captain here, Mr. Claudius Lysias, he doesn't know Hebrew, but he does know Greek, and he asked him, can I talk to my people? And He said, all right. He waves his hand. He got silence. Everyone listened to him. And the apostle Paul began to give his testimony. You can see several things, but let's look at it real quickly. Verse number one, we've read it already with his brother Ezekiel, but let's look at it again. He opens up his conversation with this. They get quiet. Men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. Many of the people knew who he was, and many did not. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, which the police officers did not understand, nor did the chief captain, they kept the more silent, and he saith, they listened to him. He said, I am verily a man, which is a Jew born of tarshish a city of cilicia and yet brought up with this city in jerusalem at the ha- at the feet of gamaliel gamaliel one of the world famous jewish teacher so everybody knew that name he actually was around when jesus was alive he was the one of the people that would say later on he said he said don't don't if it's real it's going to happen if it's not he he was he came to his view uh, uh, in the, in the gospels you'll see his name he said I, I was raised at his feet I was taught by this man, and of course, that gave him credence. He was a Jew, and he was uh, trained in that city, though he was born in a Grecian city. And it taught according to the perfect manner of the law of our fathers, was zealous toward God, and ye, as ye are this day, everything that you're trying to do, you're back here from all over the world to come worship in Jerusalem, that was me. I was was a Judaizer. I was all in. I believed that you need to keep the law, and I I did it. I was very strong, and I was was very mature in the things I knew in this way, in this religion. But you look, if you would please, at the next verse, verse 4. And I persecuted. Not only was I I devoted, but I, I persecuted this way, this Christianity, unto the death. I killed people. Binding and delivering them into prison, both men and women, I was not... I was not prejudiced to one or the other. It didn't matter if they were a girl or a guy. it Doesn't matter if they were young or old. Anybody I persecuted and tried to kill them if they were of this way. Verse five. We also, at a high priest, doth, uh, th- and also the high priest does bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them where they were bound in Jerusalem and to be punished. He said, he said, you can even ask the high priest. He would know about this. It's 18 years ago, but he would remember it. You could ask some of the elders that are here, the older men, the gray hairs that have been here in Jerusalem. They remember me. And they actually gave me permission with papers in hand to go to Damascus and find more people who were of this way, this Christian way, and to get them arrested and prosecuted and punished. Continue with me, if you would, please. We're in chapter 22 in verse number six, he begins to go into his testimony. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh into Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light, but were afraid, and they heard not the voice of him that spake unto me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of the things which are appointed of thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory that the light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. So he begins to share his testimony, and once again, here he is. You can maybe ev- visualize numbers of things, maybe standing over a rail or over a, a brick uh, or a stone, a, stone uh, a cement thing that he's standing there, and he's talking, he's telling his story in the Hebrew language, probably blood coming down from his eyes or maybe a bruise on his head, and, and he's bald-headed, he has taken and shaved his head and, uh, as seven days ago. So whatever seven days' growth would be would probably be the situation he would have. And he's standing there, probably in a white garment, all brussled and, and, and wrinkled and pulled and probably torn. And now he's talking to his, his brethren. He says, men and brethren and fathers, the older men. He said, you know, I'm a Jew, and I came from Cilicia, and I, I was raised here in this city under the feet in the school of Gamaliel. This, you know this. Ask your men, and they know how I was. I was zealous just like you're zealous. And then one day, with papers in hand, I make my way to Damascus. And at about noon, I left that morning early from Jerusalem. And going to Damascus, I can imagine he was passionate. He probably made—he was in a hurry, and he was angry and wanting to do what he felt like he was his job to do. And about noon, a light shined from heaven, and everybody saw the light but only one person heard the voice, and that was me. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, well, who are you? His eyes are blind. He didn't know who he was. He said, well, who are you? And he says, I'm, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And with his eyes probably down in his face and hearing the voice, he says, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go into Damascus, and there I'll tell you what you're going to do. He goes, after that was over with, I couldn't see. And I went about to someone to lead me by the hand, and I was blind. He would be blind for three days. Couldn't see. Gave him time to sit, to be paused, and to listen, and to evaluate, and to meditate on what just happened to him. But he's telling his story. And then he tells a story about a man named Ananias, who was just a lot like these people. He's Jewish. He's devoted to the law. Look, if you would please, at verse number, verse number uh, 12, verse 11. I could not see for the glory of the light being led by the hand of them that with me and I came to Damascus. Verse 12, and one Ananias, a devout man, he's very devoted, according to the law, who knew the, the, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, kept it, having a good report of all the Jews. He was very respected and he lived there in Damascus. He came unto me, and we can learn more about the story in, in Acts chapter 9, if you want to reflect back on that this afternoon. He came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul. It's very interesting for him to call him Brother Saul. Receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon him, and I could see him, no doubt. Verse number fourteen. And he said, The Son, the God of thy of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see the just one, and should us hear the voice of his mouth he said this is all divinely appointed that's what Ananias told him this is God and he's got he's got you for a purpose and thou shalt be a witness unto all men that uh, thou hast seen and heard what you've what you've heard and seen you're going to tell everybody else about this Paul and now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. And I want to just real quickly say something there. The way we get saved is by believing in our heart and calling upon the name of the Lord. That's salvation, okay? Don't mix salvation and baptism. Calling upon the name of the Lord is salvation. Baptism is a symbol. Baptism is not a part of salvation. It's a symbol of salvation. It's a picture of salvation. It's very important you don't get those confused. Every once in a while, someone will read a verse like this, and they'll make a doctrine out of it, and they'll say, well, you have to be baptized to be saved. That's not true. You can look in Mark chapter 16, and oftentimes it says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then the next verse, which, which oftentimes people who are proponents of baptism regeneration do not say this, but he that believeth not is damned. The emphasis is not on baptism. The emphasis is on belief. Salvation is by believing and receiving Christ. You don't have, the biggest thing about baptism you understand is you don't have to get baptized to go to heaven. The next biggest thing about baptism, if you're saved, God wants you to get baptized. And to not get baptized is something that when God's asked you to do it, that you need to do. And immediate obedience is a good idea for all of us to do, to obey the Lord. And I'm thankful for recently many people who have done that and others who are going to do that. And I rejoice with that situation he said, what I need to do? And, and I said, well, you need, to, you need to call upon the name of the Lord, accept him, and get baptized. And Paul did that. Would you look, if you would please, to the next verse. If you would please, verse number 17. And it came to pass that when I was coming again to Jerusalem, once again, he's still giving his testimony on that, uh, on that perched location. I was coming again to Jerusalem. Even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And I saw him, Jesus, saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat every and every synagogue, them that believed on thee, he said Lord, he protested. Jesus said to him while he was in the temple, and by the way, this is probably no, no less than three years, maybe four years after he got saved. We believe that he got saved. He remained in Damascus. Then he went to Arabia and spent time with the Lord Jesus personally. Now he's made his way back to Jerusalem. And while he's in the temple and uh, worshiping there, he's excited about giving his testimony and telling people about the Lord and what happened. He feels like this is his time. And then the Lord Jesus comes to him in his time of worship and says, no, Paul, this is not the time. It's Jerusalem and the Jews will not receive your testimony. And he argues with the Lord. Have you ever argued with the Lord? (laughs) He said, Lord, I I don't get it. He goes, these people know. I mean, it's his recent history. Four years ago, three years ago, I was here, and they know how ardent I was against the Christianity and how that I killed and I persecuted anyone who believed in Christ. And now that I'm saved, my testimony will be loud and clear and responded to. That was his argument with the Lord. Let's look at the next verse if we can, please. Pick up with verse number 20. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I, was also, I, was all, I also was standing by. And consenting to his death, he said, even when that first deacon was killed, I was there and I consented to that. And I kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. So he began to tell a story. But then he said one word that every man in that group had an issue with. What word was that? He said, uh, Paul. I'm going to ask to give you responsibility to talk to the Jews, but your main ministry is going to be to the Gentile world, people who are not Jewish. And when the crowd heard that, it started a, a riot. Let's look, if we can, please, the rest of the chapter. I'll make a couple points when we dismiss this morning. I wonder if God is speaking to you today. Is he talking to you already? Those of you who are listening today, are you here? I hope you'll ask the Lord right now as we continue this chapter, Lord, what do you want me to learn? What is it you're trying to tell me? Verse number uh, 22, And they gave him audience unto unto this word. They listened to him until he said that word. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and they cast off their clothes and they threw dust in the air. I'm glad there was dust and not rocks. And the chief captain commanded him to be brought to the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know whether, where, uh, wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with, with throngs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? And when the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, take Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. And when the chief captain came, he said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yeah. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum, I obtained my freedom. I this, my, my uh, excuse me, obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was born, I was freeborn. I was born into the Roman. His parents had obviously had done something uh, special to become Roman citizens. Then straightway they departed from him. They should have examined him. The guy that was going to beat him left him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman because he had put him in handcuffs and bound him and stretched him out to be beaten. On the morrow, because it would be known of the certainty where they accused the Jews, he loosed him from his bands, took off his, uh, his handcuffs, and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear, and brought Paul down and set them before him. This chapter kind of tells Paul's testimony. He gives his testimony several times in the scriptures. And I feel like that uh, we, we find that he now he has hit, uh, hit a wall with the people when he mentions that God, he just says, God told you to go to the, to the Gentiles. And, of course, when he did that, that, that was enough of the conversation. They heard him up until that word. They began to pull their clothes off and, and bang them and wave them and pick up dirt and throw it up in the air and cause a ruckus. The uh, chief captain immediately said, take him, in, take him into the castle, take him to the castle and, and scourge him. Now, Paul had been beaten by the Jews several times. You can read the list of litany of things he went through in Second Corinthians chapter 11. It was different to be beaten by the Jews than it was to be beaten by the Romans. The scourging is is like that that Jesus endured. It would be a a centurion, a man in charge of a hundred men, and he would be a strong man, and he'd have a stick, and then in that stick would be leather, and there would be pieces of metal and glass that would oftentimes disembowel a person. He had to be very strong to handle, but he was going to beat him until he told him what he said. Because the chief captain is standing there. He doesn't know the Hebrew tongue, and, and he feels probably good. He says, Everybody's listening good. We've got this crowd calmed down. Then all of a sudden, the crowd goes into a frenzy. And the chief captain, thinking, Oh, man, there's a riot going on. And they may scream and holler. And he takes him out, and he said, You embarrassed me. You're going, What in the world did you say? And he said, We'll beat you. We'll find out what you said. And of course, he's impulsive. And then the man, then we find Paul says, um, as they, as they take him, and they were going to stretch him up, put his hands up and stretch him up so his body is tense, so that they beat him, it can be, a, uh, it can be applicable and, and uh, excruciating. As they tied him up, he says, you know, is it okay to do this if you're a Roman citizen? And the centurion, the guy that was going to beat him, said, uh, hang on a second, you're Roman? He said, yeah. Went and told the boss, said, hey, that guy's a Roman, you better be careful about this. He went and said, are you really? Yes, I am. He goes, man, I paid a lot of money. How much did you pay? He goes, I was born. My parents were already Roman citizens when I was born. He said, okay, untie him. Because he felt bad that he 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 had condemned him without, without, to a slave, no problem. But if you had your papers in the Roman Empire, that was a problem. And then, of course, he'll get a chance to speak again on the morrow. We'll talk about that another time. But think about this, Pastor Scripture. I want to share with you a couple thoughts I think would be applicable, when our time is gone. First of all, we ought to take opportunities and look for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. Let it be very sensitive. You know, this is not the way it played out in Paul's mind. About everything that could go wrong went wrong. He was hoping to be received, probably hoping to be protected. The church is silent here. James and the leaders of the church, they're not even here. When Peter went to prison years before, they had a prayer meeting for him. There's no prayer meeting that we know about for Paul. He's alone. He's by himself. He's being, being uh, but he's, he's taking advantage of an opportunity to witness. I want to encourage our people to do it. Listen, uh, I'm not the example of this, but I want to be a faithful witness, and you do too. It's the only thing in heaven you're not going to do for sure. You're not going to witness to people in heaven. You only have a little time to do it, and that's right now. Number two, use your testimony. Everybody likes to hear a story. And you know the reason he got the attention of the people? Because he told them a story. What's your story? What did God do to bring you to Christ? Years ago, I, I, someone shared this with me, and I have tried to, when I witness to people, to tell them, Here's what happened to me. And I tell them what God did to bring me to Christ. I was just a young man. But I can see what God did to bring my, my, get get the gospel to my little heart. And you you should know. Some of you have been saved a few weeks. Some of you have been saved for decades. When's the last time you told your story? Use your testimony. It's a powerful tool. Number three, relate to the people you're talking to. Relate to people. One thing that Paul kept doing, he kept talking about the Jews, about Gamaliel, about the law, about Ananias. He was Jewish, he was devout, he knew the law. He was getting the people there that were there that understood exactly what was going on. He related himself as a persecutor against this way. I think when you're witnessing to people, number one, take advantage of opportunities. So, Pastor, I kind of stumble around, keep stumbling. You're, not doing the, you're just doing the warning. God's doing the working. Number two, I would encourage you to use your testimony. Tell people, you say, Pastor, I don't have a testimony. You need to get saved. <laughs> and that may be the reason why you have no interest in telling anyone else about Christ because you're, not, you're over your own salvation or it never happened to you. I don't mean to be unkind, but every saint ought to be a soul winner. Every member ought to be a minister of the gospel. Everyone ought to have someone in their hearts that says, you know, Lord, with something in their hearts say, Lord, I need to tell someone else about Christ. What can I do? And I think this is a great time to do that. I think our, our world is going into a, some turmoil. And I don't want it. I don't like it. But here's what I do like. I like the fact that I'm going to have opportunities if the Lord lets me keep breathing air to talk to people about Jesus and use your testimony and relate to the people. You know, Jesus You know what he talked about when he talked to the lady at the well? What did he talk about? Water. Because that's why she came. You find this wherever Jesus went. He used the analogy, a coin, a lost son, a a, a prodigal son, a lost sheep for the shepherds. He related to the people he would speak to. And not everybody uh, is going to understand the exact same thing, but I think we can relate to people. And then lastly, I would just say this. One of the things that arrested my thought in this passage of Scripture is that when Paul told his testimony, he said, Now, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, God did not tell him all the future for him. You know what he told him? He says, Right now, just go to Damascus, and I'll tell you later what's going to happen to you. You know, the will of God for you is to obey God today and let God lead you tomorrow. So many of us, we don't trust God. It's our problem. Our faith is our problem. We, do, we can trust him for our eternal destiny, but we don't trust him for what's going to happen next month or when we're old or when we retire or what's going to happen in our family or what's going to happen in this relationship. We don't trust the Lord. But you know, God didn't ask Paul, Said, so here's what's going to happen your whole life. No, he said, go to Damascus, and I'm going to tell you more what's going to happen tomorrow. And learning to trust God today, simply trusting every day, trusting on the stormy way, even when my faith seems small, Trusting Jesus—that is all. I want to encourage you: get the gospel to someone. Would you? I wish everybody this week. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every one of us would tell our story to someone? Every young mother at at the park this week with your kids—tell your story. Tell what God did to you. Tell what God did for you. Get engaged in a conversation that would lead to the gospel of Jesus. They may not get saved. You can't save anyone. I certainly can't save. And I have witnessed to a lot more people who didn't get saved than people who did. The Bible says broad is the road that leads to destruction. Most people are going are to ignore Christ all the way to their grave and into the lake of fire. But he said narrow is the way that leads to life. But those narrow, th- those narrow ways are opportunities you have to witness to people. Tell your story. Ask God to relate it to their lives. And then I would encourage you to be faithful to God today. And trust him for tomorrow. Let's pray together. Can we?